that's the way the cookie crumbles. It's Nescapades, a chronological journey through the North American Super Nintendo library with a few pit stops along the way. We play them briefly, judge them harshly, and rank them. That's all you need to know. I'm Steampunk Link. I'm Emmy Zero. And uh, we got we got a couple games for you guys today. We've got cookies and wrestling. What more do you guys need? Mm-mm. The delicious combination of fresh-baked chocolate chip and man stink. Ugh. <laughs> uh, I know what that smells like because I used to go to a gym that was like in the same strip mall or same mall enclosed mall as like a bakery that was right next to it. Wow. uh, Yeah. You do know what that smells like then. That's yeah. That's a highly specific sense memory. I'm sure. Yeah. It's, it's not pleasant. It's not pleasant. I I bet. I bet. Yeah. Anyway, folks, um, (laughs) we got a lot to talk about today. We only got two games to talk about, but there's, there's a lot there. I think. I think so. Yeah, we got WWF Royal Rumble, and we got Yoshi's Cookie, a game with uh, a surprising amount of history behind it, or I mean, at least, you know, uh, some some important companies and folks sort of connected to that game. We'll talk about it. We're two very non-wrestling fans going to talk about WWF Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. So get ready for that, all you wrestling fans out there, All you know, just, just two folks who do not get it. At all, and and but we're going to talk about it anyway because that's what we do on the show. That's that's the promise we make to you. Do you want to get into it? I guess with the Royal Rumble. Yeah, let's get into the ring with with thirty other people, but yep. you know who are going to enter uh, in two minute intervals yep. or as people get knocked out of that <laughs> ring. <laughs> So, WWF Royal Rumble. This is the second WWF game we've talked about for the Super Nintendo. Um, we did not have many kind things to say about the first one. And honestly, I don't think most people have a lot of kind things to say about that first one. Um, a quick shout out to uh, Trevor from Catching Up on Cinema, who was kind enough to send me a video uh, from a YouTube channel called Wrestling Bios, talking about the first two WWF games on the Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis. And uh, yeah, it sounds like we were not too off the mark in our uh, appraisal of the first game. It's um, on the Super Nintendo, especially it is pretty ho-hum. All the wrestlers play exactly the same, Uh, you know, so unless you just really have some nostalgia for that game specifically, uh, it's not going to do a lot for you. And even then, like play one of the other wrestling games on the Super Nintendo because they're both way, way better or play the Genesis version of that same game. Honestly, I feel good about where we stowed that game and like kind of the, the bottom reaches of the list back when we did rank it. But um, that also does make me kind of surprised that this game, uh, to me at least, seems uh, a, a, like a big step up from it. And uh, it comes from like the same people, right? It's still an LJN game, still so sculptured software, uh, who, you know, we've played a lot of uh, a lot of sculptured software games on the system at this point, I think. And um, this to me feels like one of their better efforts. Once again, we got LJN on there, although, you know, they are one of the many labels under uh, Acclaim. Uh, so it was Acclaim's relationship with the WWF that brings us all of these in the first place. Like many games of this era that came out under the LJN label on the Super Nintendo, they came out on the Flying Edge label on the Genesis. I don't know why they did that. It seems like a strange thing. I know that um, a lot of companies had different labels just to get around some of Nintendo's uh, weird rules about how many games could 
be released by one company in any given year. But you think this is just like a holdover from that? Because that was not a policy that existed into the Super Nintendo era, right? You know, I act- I'm actually not sure. Um, but either way, they really they, they never released anything on the Flying Edge label as, as far as I know on the Super Nintendo. Um, that was purely a, a, a Sega console label. The same way LJN seems to be more or less just a, a a Nintendo label for them, so I don't really know what what the deal is with that. But it's a claim, yeah. Who knows why they do what they do? So this game, uh, this is uh, themed after the Royal Rumble. Do we want to talk about what that is before we start talking about the game itself? Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the Royal Rumble. So uh, the the Royal Rumble is a kind of a variation on the Battle Royale in which. Uh, I think about 30 wrestlers get assigned numbers and uh, the the higher your number, the better off you're going to be for reasons that are going to become very clear. So numbers one and two start out in the ring and they're wrestling each other. And the objective is to throw your opponent out of the ring. If they land uh, with both feet outside the ring, they are out Uh, every two minutes, I think, or, you know, maybe they change that up. I'm not sure. Another wrestler enters the ring until there are six wrestlers all wrestling each other in the ring. At that point, uh, new wrestlers do not enter the ring until someone gets knocked out. They keep going until all the wrestlers have gone through and there are only six remaining. At that point, it's just last man standing wins. It's an interesting format and it, it's 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 kind of clever, honestly. It's a really smart way of getting a bunch of your big stars in one match uh, and, and just making a huge event out of it. Obviously, the the lower you are on the roster, the better your chances are that you will be the last one standing. Although there have been Royal Rumbles in which numbers one or two have uh, have actually gone on to win the Rumble. Obviously, you know, all caveats of oh, wrestling's fake. It's all scripted aside. I don't you know, I don't entirely know how that works. Like, I, I don't know how much of it is like, you, you know, this is the person who's going to win and everybody else, you know, has certain times that they're going to go out. Or if it's like if it's more like a stamina thing in which there is some malleability to it in which, you know, like if you're just too exhausted to continue, then, you know, you kind of signal like yeah, you're ready I'm, to I'm go. Out, yeah. I, I don't know how any of that works. Nope. Maybe somebody who knows about wrestling can tell me more about that. Uh, <laughs> But in any case, yeah, it's an interesting format, and I think it's a really smart thing to bring to the Super Nintendo. It's just a shame that there's only, like, what, 12 wrestlers here? Yeah, there's, like, 12 wrestlers, uh, so there's not really enough to actually uh, fill out that that 30-man roster in a Royal Rumble mode here. Um, you know, the interesting thing, one of the kind of gimmicks of this game is that there are some some roster differences between this and the Genesis version. If they just put all of the wrestlers in both versions of the game, uh, we'd be closer to that 30. Which which is kind of interesting. I'm wondering if it was just sprite limitations that prevented them from being able to... It might be sprite limitations. It actually, uh, you know, we'll get into how this game plays in a bit, but I gotta say, for the Royal Rumble mode in this, I was kind of impressed that, like, it doesn't have any kind of hit on performance or anything. Yeah. Even when it's at, like, the max number of wrestlers that are in the ring at one time. Yeah, I agree. It looks pretty good. It plays pretty well. You know, if I were more of a wrestling person, I could definitely see the appeal here. Like, I only played a couple of the modes. I I played, like, just a one-on-one with no ref kind of match, and then I tried the Royal Rumble. It got immediately knocked out. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I could definitely see the appeal here. It was chaotic in just, like, a really great way. Like, kind of in a way that, like, a really packed smash brothers match yeah it made me think about smash brothers actually yeah Yeah. there's a lot more modes here than there were in the last game 
I, I'm definitely a lot more positive on this than I was on that old on that other wrestling game. Me too. I thought this was was quite fun to play, even though I it took me a little while to kind of get a handle on the controls. Um, but I, I think I did basically for, with with one notable exception, I think I did actually get uh, a clear handle on how to do the different kinds of moves in this. This is a, a, a fun game that really kind of goes for it in trying to present wrestling uh, on the Super Nintendo. Like there's a lot of different moves you can do. There's some fun sort of pretty dramatic stuff that can happen in the tag team matches, which is one of the modes where uh, the the kind of AI partner the, the wrestlers that are, that are not being uh, controlled in the match themselves can can do some fun stuff, grabbing, you know, wrestlers when they get like too close to like the side of the ring and holding them in place. Um, if you're trying to pin somebody, uh, your 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 tag team partner will like come into the ring and try to like protect you uh, from the other wrestler. Uh, you know, you know, some some cool, fun stuff. And I got to say, I think that judging from. The, the rosters uh, for the Super Nintendo and Genesis versions, and based on my own memories of these guys from being a kid in the early 90s and kind of vaguely knowing who some of these people are because wrestling was just like everywhere then. Yeah. I think the Super Nintendo got the better roster. I mean, it is weird that the Super Nintendo didn't have Hulk Hogan, who was like the biggest wrestler pretty much ever. But given, you know, a more modern context, I'm okay with that. (laughs) I'm okay with not having Hulk Hogan. And actually, I think if you look at that, as somebody who's more into wrestling than, than me can, can kind of correct me on this, but Judging from the roster for the the Genesis version, it seems like they got Hulk Hogan and then a bunch of nobodies. Because <laughs> I don't recognize the names of any of the like version specific wrestlers for the Genesis version aside from Hulk Hogan. Uh, whereas at least with the Super Nintendo. Uh, I think some of these guys were fairly big stars, you know, uh, I, I definitely remember Yokozuna and I think that's because he won the Royal Rumble that year. Right. Okay. Um, uh, and I, I definitely remember, um, Ted DiBiase, the, the million dollar man. Yep. But yeah, like other than Hulk Hogan, I, I think I remember Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I do okay. not remember IRS or the model, um, or, uh, Papa Shango, which I'm, that doesn't sound, that sounds like it's probably not great. Um, I think they, they lampshaded a little bit by having a black athlete play him, but still okay. it's... that's something. But but yeah, like Ric Flair, Ted DiBiase, and Yokozuna are, you know, ones that I recognized off the top of my head for the Super Nintendo version. Uh, we also got Mr. Perfect and uh, Tata, uh, Tatanka, uh, who I do not recognize. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't recognize Tatanka either. I think um, when I just tried diving into the game i played as bret hart and uh, uh-huh. i went up against uh tatanka i'd let the computer decide who would be my opponent um he just kept knocking me down with his chest which i, I think was just like a, a chest bump which might have been a common move to all the wrestlers but i like to think that tatanka's pecs were just so gorgeous that he would just present them to me and i would just be literally floored my wrestler would yeah, just immediately yeah. fall to the ground like wow that's amazing those I mean, pecs i can't know, handle may- it maybe that's true because i didn't fight tatanka in any of my matches in this game and that that didn't happen to me. okay uh, nobody knocked me down with their pecs so that that could be his deal so yeah, maybe yeah uh those gorgeous gorgeous yeah. pecs. so yeah they are something I will say the one thing that uh, was a little unfortunate for me is like 
I, I, I made a couple of attempts at playing uh, the Royal Rumble mode. I got knocked out very fast the first time I played it, just like you. The second time I played it, uh, I played as Yokozuna, and I did actually make it uh, to to the end of the match. Like I, It was me and Ric Flair were the last two people up there. Um, and I just straight up could not figure out how to do the controls to throw him out of the ring. <laughs> um, so that's, I wish I had figured out how that worked. There's kind of a, like a tug of war system when you go into like a grapple with somebody, uh, where there's like a meter on screen that you have to, to, yeah, I guess tap buttons quickly to, uh, fill up the meter on your side uh, so that you can you can throw them. I was able to do that to some extent, but I was never able to actually like eject him from the ring. Yeah, I, I found it very easily in one of the matches to accidentally leave the ring of my own volition. Yes, <laughs> I was yes, like, oh, maybe that's, this that's shouldn't extreme. be so easy to do because I, I know that that would have been considered dirty pool in an actual ref with a or an actual match with a ref in it. Although you can do some pretty uh-huh. wonky things with the referee. You can kind of like hit the referee and make them leave, I guess. Yeah, and- you can hit the referee. Well, and some of the most fun stuff in this game does not actually happen until you're out of the ring, which is funny. Like, you know, the, the, the tag team, you know, partner will come over with like a folding chair to like whack your, your, you know, uh, whack your back with it or whatever. Uh, and, um, you know, your, your guy, your, your tag team partner can do the same. Uh, yeah, like there's some fun stuff. So I think they kind of want you to be able to get out of the ring in this game, uh, in the, in the non-Royal Rumble matches. But yeah, I definitely wish that I had been able to actually like seal the deal on, on that and, and win the thing. Um, but yeah, overall, I think this game's playable. I think it kind of sells the, I, the, the feel of watching a wrestling match pretty well. And yeah, like, I don't know, this does just feel like a big step up from from the first game. Yeah, I would definitely say if you're somebody who missed out on this era of gaming and are really big into wrestling history, this game is probably worth a look. I don't know if it's worth much more than that in a modern context when there are probably maybe not. But I think it's it's a yeah. Yeah, I think it's a it's a fun game. And I think it definitely has like the vibe of early 90s WWF down pretty well. So. Yeah, so uh, I think with that, unless you had anything else, we could probably go over to the list. And uh, yeah, no, um, I, I don't have anything else. So yeah, let's uh, try to find a place for this. Yeah. One. So where is that first WWF game? Oh, it's way low down. Like it's it's like bottom twenty five. Oh, oh I think. yeah, yeah. It's um, it's one ninety three. Like it's, it's yeah, Ooh. it's it's in a bad place right now. So. Uh, I, I think obviously this is not going to go anywhere near that, but yeah, no, I don't think so. I'm trying to look for like a, a good, well, not a good fighting game, but like a, a mid tier fighting game. If we have such a thing right now, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's kind of in feast or famine with the fighting games. Unfortunately, I don't think I would put this up near like King of the Monsters, which is the best wrestling game I think we've played so far. Oh yeah. Where's uh, King of the Monsters? King of the Monsters is at 42. Okay, so well, I could I, say I, it goes somewhere between those two, but that's most of the list. It <laughs> doesn't go uh, nearly as high as King of the Monsters, I don't think. You know, maybe like um, American Gladiators is a better new floor for this at 156. Okay. I think because, that's fair. Yeah, they're both, you know, sports entertainment products. But I think this is definitely a much better representation of its source material than American yes, Gladiators definitely. was. And I think this one is, you know, pretty fun to play on its own. You know, which I don't really think I don't really think you'd want to play the American Gladiators game if you weren't already 
like just deep into fandom for American gladiators. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I think this is maybe better than fatal fury, which is at one twenty six. that, that might be the closest to like a mid tier. Oh yeah. uh, Fighting game we've got right now, actually. Yes, I think I'm with you on that. Yeah. So okay. So 126. So we yeah. can go up from there. Yeah. Um. Oh, we got power moves at 119. Okay. Go up from there. It might, maybe? it might go up from there. Yeah. And are you seeing a ceiling anywhere nearby here? That... Let me see. Um. So, honestly, I could keep going up for a I bit. Could keep going up really. for a bit. Um. I'd probably play this over. Battle Toads and Battle Maniacs. You know what? I think I would too. Oh, I think this is a top 100. Yeah, I think so. I think this is better than the SNES version of Dungeon Master. Uh, I think Super Super Turrican might be the ceiling for me. I think I, I would not be able to really argue that this is a better game than Super Turrican. I think I agree with you. So I guess the question is whether or not this goes above or below Tasmania at 98. And I might actually argue it goes above Tasmania because I I think that Tasmania like does a good job presentation-wise of being a rep- mm-hmm. representation of what Tasmania was. But I... I think that the well, I don't know, because like, I I do respect that they tried to do something pretty different with that game. Yeah, you know, was, um, I could go either. I could go above or below Tasmania personally. Um, yeah, I, you know, let let's let's say below Tasmania. Okay, let's let's, say put, Tasmania. let's let's put it right below Tasmania. Still top one hundred. That makes this our new number ninety nine game. All right, so congratulations, uh, WWF Royal Rumble, just squeaking into the top 100 at number 99. Well done. You've you've kind of won over two non-wrestling yeah, fans. Yeah, good, good job. <laughs> All right, so, uh, so with that, I guess we will move on to the last game for today, the last game of June 93, finally. Yeah. Uh, it's Yoshi's Cookie. I don't think you should feed horses cookies. Uh, I don't think that's what they eat, but, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a wrestling person, and I'm also not a horse person, so I, I don't I don't know if horses eat cookies. Uh, somebody who's into horses, please tell me. <laughs> so anyway, uh, this one comes to us from Bulletproof Software. Uh, the title screen credits a company called Home Data Corporation, uh, which, uh, as far as I can tell, is a small Japanese developer founded in 1983, mostly dealing with puzzle games and sports games, and the occasional oddity like the Sharp X68000 uh, port of Fatal Fury, oh, of all things. that's really weird. Wow. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> uh, they changed their name to the Magical Company sometime in 1993, or maybe 94, uh, their last game release seems to have been a PS2 game in 2008. They still have a functional website. Uh, looks like they're maybe concentrating more on the pachinko business these days. So, uh, so it goes with a number of those companies, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, according to Giant Bomb, Home Data had the original concept for a game which they called Hermetica, but it didn't test well, so they never did anything with the concept and later sold it to Bulletproof, who would go on to develop the SNES game that uh, we know today and license the characters from Nintendo. 
Uh, it seems that uh, uh, Bulletproof Software handled the development and publishing themselves for the SNES game, and uh, Nintendo and Tose handled the NES and Game Boy ports. Uh, as far as I can tell, anyway, it's always a little iffy when it comes to Tose, Tose the uh, yeah, shadowiest of shadow developers. They, yeah, it's like you never know when it's Tose, honestly. <laughs> like, they've done yep, yeah, so they, much stuff that's uncredited. They, they hide in the shadows, they sneak up on you like a ninja, and boom, they've made your video game. You didn't even know. You didn't even know they did it. They did, there it is. But Bulletproof Software has a pretty interesting history, and it's specifically its founder, uh, Hank Rogers, has a very uh, interesting history that uh, we're going to go into really quick. So uh, uh, Hank Rogers was uh, born in the Netherlands, is of uh, uh, Indonesian ancestry, and went to school in America uh, before getting married to a Japanese woman and moving to Japan. And that's where he founded Bulletproof Software in 1983. Uh, one of the first games released by the company was the Black Onyx, which Rogers designed himself. Uh, that was released originally on the NEC PC 8801 in 1984. And uh, it would get ported to a lot of other computers in Japan. And it was uh, one of the first turn-based RPGs released in the country. Uh, beat out Dragon Quest by about two years. And uh, he managed to form a relationship with Nintendo sometime around 1985 by meeting with their president, Hiroshi Yamauchi, and telling him that he wanted to make a Go game after reading in a magazine somewhere that uh, he was a really big fan of Go. So um, with that meeting, he managed to get his company uh, an official partnership with Nintendo and got a sizable cash advance to make Go. Uh, that would result in the game MicroGo 1, which uh, released on the NES and a couple of other uh, Japanese computer systems. But that was small beans compared to what Rogers would bring to Nintendo a few years later. In 1988, Rogers was attending the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, where he happened to visit the booth of Spectrum Holobyte, who were displaying a new PC game that they'd recently acquired the rights to from the Soviet Union. A little game called Tetris. Maybe you've heard of that. Uh, Rogers jumped at the chance to license this game for distribution back in Japan. Uh, he was able to secure the computer rights, but the console and arcade rights in Japan had already been snagged by Atari. However, dealing with folks behind the Iron Curtain meant that the rights for Tetris in the West were actually on shaky ground. Uh, there is a very long and interesting story about all of this. Um, I used uh, the Gaming Historian's video... The History of Tetris is a reference for this, and uh, it, it's a really cool video. I would suggest you go check it out uh, if you are interested in that at all. But uh, long story short, there was a race to secure the rights to Tetris in the West, and Rogers flew to Moscow himself to stake his claim. And uh, not only would this visit secure the rights for Tetris on uh, for Nintendo on the NES and the Game Boy, which obviously was a huge boon for the Game Boy, it was packing with the console and it made it wildly successful. But uh, he'd also end up becoming friends with Tetris's creator, Alexei Pajitnov. And that friendship would lead to Rogers helping Pajitnov and his family immigrate to the U.S. in the early 90s. Uh, in 1996, the two would partner up to form the Tetris Company and acquire the rights back from the Russian company that ended up with Tetris after the fall of the Soviet Union, allowing Pajitnov to, for the first time, make royalties on the game he created. The same year, Rogers founded Blue Planet Software and left Bulletproof, which would shudder in 2001. And uh, speaking of Pajitnov, uh, I've read somewhere that he apparently designed some of the puzzles in this game, in the, uh, oh, the game's puzzle mode, though I, I couldn't confirm that and I didn't see his name in the credits anywhere on Moby Games. Hmm. 
So uh, Yoshi's Cookie came out in 1993 and saw releases over all of the uh, consoles Nintendo was still supporting at the time, which included the SNES, the Game Boy, and still the NES. It got an updated version on the GameCube, along with the updated versions of Dr. Mario and Panel to Pawn, released as Tetris Attack over here, we'll get to it eventually, uh, packaged in a game called the Nintendo Puzzle Collection, which sadly never got released outside of Japan. That would have been a really cool thing to have on GameCube back in yeah, the day, Nintendo. Like, it's like, y'all needed the money back then. Why didn't you do that? <laughs> like, I don't yeah, get it. I'd have, I'd, have probably bought, I'd have probably bought a copy yeah. of that. The uh, compilation also contained an emulated version of the NES Yoshi's Cookie that could be transferred to a Game Boy Advance via link cable. Uh, the NES version of Yoshi's Cookie also got released on the Wii Virtual Console in 2008. Uh, also, um, around the time that the SNES version originally came out, uh, Nintendo got involved in one of the strangest cross promotions I think I've ever heard of uh, with Panasonic uh, releasing an, a, a completely different version of the game to promote their line of, uh, I think, their, the uh, national branded uh, convection ovens or, or it might have been a toaster oven. Yeah, uh, I guess. I don't know. It's an interesting thing. I um it, I agree. A really strange uh, cross promotion. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the the it was a line of uh, what they called Kudu Pan ovens. I don't know if that was like a, a brand name or if that, that's just the kind of oven. I, I don't entirely know because uh, every single Google search that I made for Kudu Pan oven just came up with things about Yoshi's cookies. Um, but the copy of Yoshi's cookie that came out uh, specifically around that oven. Uh, had a, additional content in it, including like step-by-step instructions on how to actually make the cookies in Yoshi's Cookie. But uh, only 500 of those cartridges were produced. So of course they're obscenely expensive online now. I think I saw them on eBay for like 900 bucks. So there you go. Strange story of Yoshi's Cookie. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. Yeah, we can get a picture of the Kurupan oven. It looks like a toaster oven to me, but I don't know. I, I don't know what this is and all the instructions on it uh, are in Japanese. So no idea. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So why, why, what's uh, let's talk about these cookies? What's Yoshi doing with these cookies? Um, how, how does this work? Well, yeah. he's making them disappear by lining them up in rows. So this, the, the puzzle gameplay here is a little bit similar to the match three sort of gameplay that you might expect from like a, a bejeweled like game. Yeah. But, but it is also kind of its own thing. So we should probably try to like explain how this, how this thing works in, in a little bit of detail. Yeah. So uh, in, instead of trying to match three, you're trying to match entire um, rows or columns, getting them all to, um, be the same kind of cookie. When you do that, the row or column gets removed from play, and uh, the objective is to completely clear the board. However, more cookies are coming in from um, both the top, the right, and from the corner, uh, kind of making your block of cookies bigger and bigger. So it's a, a race to clear them all before the block gets too big and out of control. Yeah, and and instead of kind of flipping the positions of of essentially tiles on this board. Um, basically you have a cursor and for wherever the cursor is placed, you can slide the line or the, the column or row of cookies um, to the left or right or up and down. Um, and you can kind of, uh, the, the cookies will loop 
around. So if you you slide something like below the bottom of of the board, it'll come back on the top. Essentially, this opens up uh, some different kind of possibilities, I guess, for for how you how you arrange things, and um, you know, it, it kind of requires a little bit of a different a different kind of thinking. Than, than I am used to doing in these kinds of matching games. You know, if you're going into it thinking you'll just play this like Bejeweled, it's it's different enough from that that you're probably going to need to, you know, rethink things a bit. But I found this kind of puzzle gameplay pretty enjoyable. I actually ended up playing through like yeah. a good chunk of the uh, regular mode. Uh, basically, you... Um, you game over whenever uh, you reach a kill line, either either on the right or on the top. But um, you can pretty much just pick up where you left off. I don't think there's limited continues in this game. Uh, no, I don't think so. And yeah, um, I also found it fun. I, I think once you kind of get into the groove of it, it's like kind of both relaxing and really satisfying to play. Yeah, definitely. Um Another little gameplay quirk is that uh, if you remove a certain number of the same kind of cookies, you will get an actual Yoshi cookie, uh, which is shaped like Yoshi's head, which can kind of be used as a wild card. And there's a few different modes here as well. There's the the kind of normal, uh, what's, what's I guess called action mode here, which is what we've been talking about. Uh, there's also a versus mode. You know, that allows you to pick from one of uh, four different Mario characters as sort of your your avatar uh, to face off against uh, against another player or the computer. Um, they have different stats, but I don't really understand how those affect how you how, how things go in versus mode at all. Uh, I do think it's weird that Princess Peach's stats are just worse than everybody else's there's nothing that like makes her better in one particular way than anybody else she just has lower stats which is very strange um but yeah um there there is that and there's also uh, a thing called puzzle mode and that is uh i think a pretty interesting mode uh, alternate mode for this game other games have things like this but i think it's pretty well implemented here where basically you're given a series of uh, like kind of preset arrangements of tiles. And then you have a, a certain number of moves you're allowed to move pieces to try to make them all disappear. And um, you lose if there's anything still left or, you know, you run out of moves before you you manage to to do this. And I thought these were fun. I enjoyed those as a fun kind of alternate way to play this. And that's, I guess, what you were saying. That's that's the mode that that Alexei Pajitnov might have contributed some some layouts to, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do think it's a pretty interesting mode to add to that game. I remember playing that almost exclusively when I rented it back in the day, but I actually kind of bounced off of it pretty quickly playing it now and just kind of stuck to the action mode. I found the action mode a lot more fun, in my opinion. I kind of had the opposite reaction where the, the puzzle mode was really the mode I got the most out of here. And I thought it was really fun and, um, you know, interesting to, to kind of, uh, you know, try to get my head around, you know, the different the, the, the logic of how I had to move the pieces to, to, you know, complete the different, the different boards. Um, I didn't dislike the action mode, but I do think that it kind of, made me wonder how strong this design is as like just a puzzle game overall where like it felt like there were like a lot of kind of unwinnable situations I was able to get myself into in the action mode without 
a lot of options. But that also could have just been me. Like, I know that not everybody's brain works like my brain does. So depending on who you are, that this might be a really good puzzle game for you. It's telling that this is not a a puzzle format that Nintendo has gone back to nearly as much as it's gone to back to, say, Panel to Pawn. But yeah, I think it's still pretty good. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, I didn't really do much with the verses at all because, you know, I mean, we, we kind of can't right now. Though, no, you can play against a computer, but it's not super satisfying. Yeah. Also, interesting that the four characters you can play as are Mario, Yoshi, Princess, and Bowser. Um, I guess. Uh, yeah. I guess Luigi. No Luigi here. <laughs> he's diabetic. He can't. He can't handle yeah, the, the that's right. I mean, I think a secret here actually might be that, like we've seen with several other sort of offshoot Mario games, uh, they have just seemingly reused uh, designs straight from Super Mario World in this game. So they may have not had a great Luigi uh, sprite, like a front-facing Luigi sprite to use in this. Oh, yeah, that's true. He would have just looked like Mario if they were still using the old Mario World sprites. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, they that that may have been the oh well we've got this good Bowser here, so he'll be one of the characters. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Um so yeah, that's uh that's pretty much Yoshi's cookie. I don't know if um if I've got a whole lot more to say about it, but I, I thought it was pretty fun. I, I enjoyed my time yeah, with this quite a bit. I and agree. After some of the stuff that we've had this past June, uh this was a this was kind of a nice one to end on, honestly. A hundred percent agreed. Yeah, no, this is a good game. And I think that uh, especially since they didn't iterate on this a whole bunch, uh, you may have just never uh, listener out there. You may have just never played Yoshi's Cookie and um, give it a chance. It's different enough from other puzzle games that you might find something new here in this that that you like. So, yeah, I I I enjoyed this and it was kind of a fun, uh, nice, nice surprise to find a a solid, different kind of puzzle game uh, to end the month of June. the list goes i I don't even know where to start because we don't have a lot of puzzle games on this list right now no the ones we do tend to be pretty bad like wordtris which i think is yeah down right now wordtris is pretty far down um and yeah we've got basically a lot of the puzzle games that we've got on the list right now are like kind of not like Amiga games or whatever that got ported over here. Maybe I'm, I'm starting a little bit too high here. I don't know. But if I were to start at number 30, which is Mario Paint, uh, would you say this goes above or below that? Well, you know what we thought about Mario Paint, uh, which we liked, but also found a little lacking in some ways. It's like uh, a thing to play with in the here and now. Yeah, um, I, I, I would say I think maybe Yoshi's Cookie holds up better than Mario Paints in the context of like something you would introduce to somebody now who has no familiarity or nostalgia for this console. Yeah. So I will say in the upper reaches of the list, the game that I think is the closest like genre comparison to this is probably Lemmings. And I wouldn't put this above Lemmings. No, I, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. Lemmings is at 20. So if we actually took Mario Paint as the floor and Lemmings as the ceiling, that gives us 10 to play with. Yeah, yeah. So 
Hmm. Okay. So do we want to start from the top or the bottom and just kind of, I think let's start from the bottom because I think we'll figure out what we'll probably run into whatever we think the, the ceiling is closer to that end. I'm guessing. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I think you might be right. Um, you know, in fact, legend of the mystical ninja, um, I've got some problems with that game, but it's pretty solid overall. It's, it's an interesting game. It's pretty solid overall fun co-op game. Too, yeah. I will say. I actually think the ceiling is if it's not Legend of the Mystical Ninja, it might be SimCity. Above or below Legend of the Mystical Ninja is where I'm I'm putting my my okay. you know flag down for this. Yeah, you know what? It sounds like maybe this just goes right above Mario Paint. Then it it okay becomes our new number thirty. Yeah, okay, that sounds good to me. Um, you know, back before we played these, I would not actually have expected this to go as high, but I think this is right. I think this is a good place for it. And um, yeah, Yoshi's Cookie. It's good stuff. Give that horse a cookie. Yep. Congratulations, Yoshi's Cookie. Uh, number 30 game, even though all your cookies are basically just, you know, the the kind of like... They're like sugar cookies with jam in the middle. That's all he's making, as far as I can tell. Yeah, or like the, the icebox cookies, um, which I... Oh, uh, yeah. I think yeah. like you can make all those kinds of cookies with the exact same kind of dough. I think I think it's like all I'm pretty sure you're right. It's it's all a shortbread dough. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, Which I mean, yeah. hey, I like a shortbread cookie. Yeah, me too. Me too. But they're not the most exciting cookies. Let's be real. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's why you jazz them up with things like jam and whatever the green thing is. I don't even know what that was supposed to whatever be. Whatever the green thing is. I don't know either. Um, that actually looks like something that maybe isn't supposed to be eaten. Uh, so actually, can we talk, I don't know what the deal is with the mechanism that Yoshi is manipulating in the action mode. Like he's got like a lever that he is like really working hard on, uh, to move these cookies around. Is it like a conveyor belt? Like, is he controlling that? Like, I don't know. What do you think is happening there? I don't know. I I think maybe that lever isn't actually doing anything. They're just telling Yoshi like, Hey, just, just, just pull on this lever okay like okay yeah he doesn't understand he's a horse he doesn't he's a get horse, it yeah that's you know, right like yeah you know just make him feel useful make him feel yeah. useful you know mm-hmm. yeah so uh so yeah like a big question i've got about those cookies is like what is the deal with the weird like one that looks like an everything bagel like what what's up with oh, that oh yeah that's right maybe it's like um not a macaron but a macaroon you know the girl scout cookie with like the the like sort of ripples of fudge oh, and the, yeah, um, okay. the coconut you know maybe yeah, it's with the, like with that the caramel yeah yeah with the caramel yeah yeah okay okay i could see that i could see that they should have made a a, a tie-in with the girl scouts of america i know uh, right she's girl scout cookie yes there we go yeah honestly like girl scouts of america how have you not done this yet just make your own i know right cookie game there's so many cookie games out there there's yoshi's cookie there's there's cookie clicker um that might actually be all. No, there's uh, there's that other one that people are into, Cookie World Kingdom. Oh, okay. Uh, that's a thing, I think. Sure. So I've heard that name. I don't know anything about it. The point is, there's there's some cookie games going around that, uh, yeah, you you get yeah, in on. Yeah. Um, you know, raise some money for for the for the organization with those, uh, and your your rock solid rock solid cookie yes. branding. Um, sadly, Yoshi's cookie does not have any acapella music that I'm aware of associated with it. So I'm not going to sing at the end of this one. I hope you'll all understand. Uh, <laughs> that was fun though. I, I'm, I'm glad I finally got to do something like that. Hope you guys all enjoyed it. Um, yeah. L- let me know if you liked it. And if you didn't, uh, don't let me know. <laughs> <laughs> but if I get enough positive response on that, maybe I'll do it again someday. Who knows? Mm. This might happen. Um, 
Anyway, oh, hey, one other thing of housekeeping to uh, take care of really quick. As some of you may have noticed, we are no longer on Spotify for reasons that, honestly, if you're online at all right now, you probably know what it is. Yeah. I'm not even going to say it. But, uh, you know, if you're listening to this right now, that means you have followed us to some other platform other than Spotify. Um, I thank you very much for that. We really appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we think maybe everybody should not be on Spotify anymore. There's so many other options. But, you know, I mean, hey, it, as long as you're listening to us somewhere else, we appreciate that. Thank you all so much. Um, yeah, it's, it's been fun. We're going to try and keep at this as long as we possibly can. So, yes, definitely. And uh, with that, as always, you know, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Snescapades. Um, you know, feel free to follow me there. Say hi, especially if you follow me on Instagram. There's a good chance I'll follow you back because I'm looking for more stuff to follow on Instagram because I want to start doom scrolling Instagram instead of Twitter because I think that would make me happier. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, pretty much for that reason, I'm not anywhere on social media. So if you like me, you can keep listening to this podcast and hear me on here. Um, yes, if you if you have something to, to ask Emmy, let me know if you're not. I will pass it along. Other than that, though, uh, yeah, you can just talk to me. And until next time, um, actually, well, next time is going to be another playing with a power episode. It's going to be oh, that's right. uh, Nintendo Power July 1993. Please look forward to that. We love doing those. Yeah, it's going to be a big one. It's going to yeah. be number 50. All right. So uh, that that's a pretty big one for Nintendo Power. Um, and this is actually episode 70 for us. We totally forgot to make a joke about the last episode, but we're classy, so we didn't. That's we'll right. Say it was on That's purpose. Right. We're, we're not we're not going to be be uh, descending to that level of, of making any kind of of nice reference to to episode 69. We've never done that. <laughs> never, ever. Um, so, yeah, uh, we hope you join us next time for for that playing with power episode. Uh, thank you all very much again for listening. Until then, I'm Emmy Zero. I'm Steve Punk Lake. Play it loud. Our intro outro song is How Now Brown Cow by Technoaxe, who very generously offers a ton of great music for free and royalty free at technoaxe.com. That's T E K N O A X E.com.